Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. I'm joined, as always, by Eric Green. This time via the internet, uh, via voiceover IP. Eric, how's it going, buddy? It's going okay. How are you, Blake? I'm all right. I'm good, actually. You're just okay? Good. Not even good adjacent. Just good. Yeah, I mean, look, I had an excuse to miss my 10-year homecoming at Queen's University this weekend. Yeah. uh, Because the Raptors played Friday night and Saturday night. And because I wasn't there, I got to dog sit uh, for a friend's dog because he wanted to go. So I had a dog all weekend, which was nice. He's no Walter. Of course, but uh, Huck is a good dog. Yeah, who could be Walter? Who could be, right? Yeah, Walter's so small and unimpeding. This dog, Huck, um, you know, a bigger dog, a little clumsier, yeah. kind of sheddy like Osman, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, just to, uh, I just had to sweep and vacuum before we did this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been a good weekend. It was a very fun Raptors weekend. Sure was. Uh, how about those topes? How about Pretty that? good start to the season. The The Toronto Raptors, uh, we'll dive right into it because what else are we going to do? Banter for 15 minutes before I mean, we actually talk about the Raptors? That doesn't sound like us. No, we're always directing to the point. So, the Toronto Raptors, your Toronto Raptors, started the season with a 116-104 victory against the Cleveland Cavaliers on Wednesday. Very fun game. Kawhi Leonard's official debut with the Raptors. Um, nice, you know, it wasn't the smoothest or cleanest of games, but they took care of Business against a much lesser opponent. Friday night at the Scotiabank Arena. Much bigger test than the Boston Celtics. The Raptors win 113-101. Another big game from Kawhi Leonard. uh, That saw him get MVP chance, which we'll talk about a little later. And then they follow that up the second night of a back-to-back. Quick travel. They didn't get into Washington until 2.30 in the morning. Kawhi Leonard sits. We'll talk about that more as well. DeLon Wright sits. The Raptors beat a rested Washington Wizards team 117-113. On the road, your Toronto Raptors are 3-0 and after the first week of the season with victories over at least two East playoff teams, uh, maybe three depending on how you feel about the very bottom of the East. Uh, but that's two pretty good wins right out of the gate at home against Boston in what many people feel is an Eastern Conference Finals preview. And then on the road shorthanded on the second night of a back-to-back against a Wizards team that is always on the brink of implosion but still will probably win somewhere between 45 and 49 games and be a pain for someone in the playoffs. Eric, could you have imagined this week going much better than this for the Toronto Raptors? It would have been difficult. The results are obviously great, but I, I think the thing that's sort of coming back to me and, and keeps coming to mind is like the offense has obviously produced and produced a lot, but it's not like it's looked fluid and, uh, you know, like they've looked like a well oiled machine or anything like that. So the fact that they've gotten out of it 3 and 0. Um, is very encouraging for the team's overall talent base, especially uh, what it says about the team in general, especially considering Leonard didn't play on uh, Saturday night. It's uh, It's been good. The game on Friday will probably go down as one of the best handful of games of, of the year, even if the first half was sort of lacking in execution. Uh, but just in terms of atmosphere and, and you know high-pressure situation and intensity, more than anything, that did not feel like an early season game uh, between two teams feeling each other out. It felt like two teams who, you know, I, I don't want to say really wanted to make a point, but, you know, we're, we're 
they understood the magnitude and the importance of their uh, opponent and what that you know could mean to themselves more than anything to get that uh, uh, to get themselves on track. Yeah, the Celtics Raptors game, the second game of the season, is a fun one and kind of like a like a funny psychological one because. You know, if you're the team that comes out looking better and you win, well, yeah, that game meant a lot. If you're the team that lost, well, it didn't mean anything. You know, it's so it's too early in the year. Both sides are still working guys into the fold. They're working guys back from injury. Uh, you saw both of those teams rest the key player on Saturday night on the second night of a back-to-back in, in Kawhi Leonard and Gordon Hayward. Um, but, yeah, it does matter. And some of the guys admitted as much. Greg Monroe admitted as much. I can't remember if it was C.J. Miles or Danny Green, but they said as much. And the other one downplayed the importance of it. I can't remember who was on what side of that, Um, but it's good. It's, you know, I think especially with new pieces and this unfamiliarity the Raptors have, and, you know, you wrote this week about how, or yeah, at the very outset of the week, how, you know, the Raptors have leaned on this kind of ethereal oneness as a competitive advantage for so long, and they don't have that now, and they have to build that now. And I think starting the season strong certainly helps and galvanizing you know, the roster and the buy-in to nurse's system and how Leonard fits or how Leonard and Lowry play together, uh, wins help lock those things in early on. And a marquee one against Boston, um, you know, I don't think the Raptors are going to be walking around with their chests out Monday at shoot-around, but I think they're they're going to be pretty confident that the work they put in the first couple weeks is on the right track, uh, especially with, as you mentioned, the number of things that they could still clean up. You mentioned the offense not being quite on point despite the gaudy uh, point totals. The Raptors are playing at a pace about 2.5% faster than last year, so those are boosted uh, a little bit. League-wide scoring is also just like insane to start the season because of a spike in free throw rate and field goal attempts at the rim. Uh, But the Raptors 114.6 offensive rating, which is very good. You look underneath, though, they have just a 52% assist rate, which if this were a couple years ago or or even last year uh, would be cause for some panic. They're taking roughly a league average amount of shots uh, in the mid-range, both short and long, and only getting to the rim, roughly a league average amount. So um, there's certainly some low-hanging fruit here that they can that they can clean up and that I'm sure they will. Uh, the one nice thing they really have working for them is they're shooting 55% on corner threes. That might come down a little bit. Is um, that important, Blake, in today's yeah. idea? I think hitting 55% on corner threes, okay. if you did that all year, you'd, you'd be a safe bet for a top-five offense. Um, so there's some stuff to figure out there still, obviously. They're probably turning the ball over a little bit more than they'd like. Um, they'd probably like to trade some mid-range shots for shots at the rim and shots from outside the arc. A lot of that, I'm not putting blame on anyone, but Kawhi Leonard's fit in the first two games uh, included you know, a fair amount of isolating, a fair amount of posting up, and a fair amount of mid-range shots. It was not dissimilar from a DeMar DeRozan usage from the 2014-15 to 2016-17 kind of seasons. Um, Kawhi Leonard is a very good uh, high post player and he's a very good mid-range shooter um, and he's very good in isolation as well. And and I think there's probably some leash here for him to get comfortable and figure things out and find his place uh, and maybe overshoot out of the gate. But what did you think about how Leonard fit offensively? Obviously his, his numbers were great, uh, but some of the, you know, low hanging fruit we mentioned uh, about the offense might come as he gets more familiar. Yeah. Um, I think it was Danny Green after Friday night's game, uh, we were talking to him and he said, you know, he's ahead of where Leonard is ahead of where Green thought he would be at this point. But 
he's just not efficient in the same way he was in uh, 1617. And I think that's, you know, largely a product of him getting used to his teammates and vice versa. Uh, It looks, the offense looks from an aesthetic point of view, sort of choppy. And, you know, there's, and I saw Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio News Express tweeting that, that like DeRozan is the most, the smoothest score they've had in in a while. And when somebody suggested Kawhi Leonard to him, he sort of said, you know, Kawhi Leonard is like a Terminator who has been programmed to score, but it's not necessarily smooth. And it's a, that's true. Like, he, you know, it, there's a lot more like brute force with Leonard involved and things are, you know, seem a bit more mechanical and slowed down, but that doesn't make it any more effective in any sort of way. Um, so even at the best of times, the offense might not look as uh, good as it did at times last year, but it's certainly because of Leonard's, the efficiency he's shown in the past uh, as a scorer in those areas, in the mid-range and in isolation, and especially at the rim where he's been, you know, pretty awful, that this offense is going to start to look a lot better. And, you know, the assist percentage, which I don't have, in, did you read it off uh, earlier? 50, uh, 52%. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so that should go up a bit, but I, I think it's probably natural to expect at the beginning that might not be so high. And I, I think through one half of the Boston game, the Raptors had uh, something like 11 assists on 19 baskets, while Boston had 17 on 21. And that's, I mean, both teams are adjusting to to new pieces or pieces that are back sort of for the second time. Uh, but uh, back, they're back. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> you're putting a, a star and giving him a star's load, obviously it shifts everything around him. But given how sort of inconsistent everybody, and you know, talking about consistency over three games is a bit silly, but everybody but Kyle Lowry has been on the offensive end, Lowry's a house on fire, of course, uh, to come out averaging 114.5 points per 100 and winning three games is just dandy. Yeah, you mentioned Leonard's, you know, relative inefficiency. He's gotten 55 points in 73 minutes, so it's certainly not a per-minute inefficiency, uh, but he's got a true shooting percentage of about 51.3. Right now, this is a guy who normally sits in the low 60s, failing that the very high 50s. Uh, and then his assist rate is uh, fairly low right now as well. It's about half what it was last we saw him, and that might be where the difference between him and DeMar DeRozan in terms of their fit in this offense is most stark so far because not only you know did DeRozan push that assist rate something close to 25% last year which you know laps what Leonard has done at his best even though Leonard when in the playoffs before he got injured um, looked like a much much improved playmaker but DeRozan also got nine assists last night for the Spurs um, or sorry Saturday night we're recording this Sunday this will be going on Monday but nine assists for the Spurs his fourth highest assist total of his career so he's taken another step on that end but yeah, I think the point that, that Jeff McDonald made um, is a good one in terms of, you know, the fluidity and almost majesty of some of the the buckets that DeRozan scores with his pristine footwork and how much he's improved his handle going both ways. Where Leonard, it's just like, you know, there's almost an inevitability to it when he gets Gordon Hayward matched up uh, or gets Kyrie Irving on a switch. The Raptors were super creative 
uh, Friday night, trying to get Leonard in advantageous opportunities. A lot of Kyle Lowry screening for Kawhi Leonard, which, um, you know, fans from Lowry and DeRozan's pairing will, will certainly remember as a look. So um, a lot they can figure out there. I think Leonard will improve mostly as a pick and roll passer. Uh, him and Valanciunas and him and Obaka don't really have that chemistry down yet. Uh, sorry, were you going to jump in there? I was just, there was a point that Kyrie, I mean, Kyrie Irving basically said uh, what you said, like, it's, there's an inevitability to it. Like, you know, they can just throw it down there to him and he's going to get a good look for himself, Uh, especially with him posting up. I mean, a lot of those shots didn't fall in the first half of the Boston game, but it's not like you're upset with those looks in general. He's, you know, generally getting at least a foot into the paint before he takes them and uh, there's a sense of just physical brute force that you don't see that often, uh, or you haven't seen that often uh, with the Raptors. The Raptors have really had to get creative and you know had to push it to the levels uh, in terms of passing and moving the ball that they did last year to to make things run. And and you know just by the sheer talent and physicality of Leonard, they shouldn't have to you know, work quite as hard, maybe, uh, which sounds like a bad thing, but really doesn't. It's good when things come easily sometimes. Yeah, it, it, honestly, so in late in the Washington game, the, this is not Leonard related because he was sitting, um, but the offense was like, the offense was fine against Washington. There was a point in the fourth quarter where I was almost, you know, I get the, I get the desire to, you know, create an advantage and then kick the ball around and swing it and attack that advantage and kick it and swing it. Um, there was a stretch where the Raptors got bad, and I kind of felt myself wishing. It's like, you know what? You could just hammer the lowry Valanciunas pick and roll for three or four possessions here, get some buckets to stabilize things. Sometimes having simple options is uh, is nice, especially when things stall out for a little bit. Um, you know, offensively, some of some of the other areas the Raptors have struggled. The second units haven't been great, uh, missing DeLon Wright. I thought shifting Pascal Siakam back to the bench unit helped Fred Van Vliet in Saturday's game by giving a, a second playmaker with that group. We'll talk about a little bit more of that stuff uh, shortly. I want to ask you one more Kawhi Leonard question before we move on to the Raptors who did play Saturday night. Your thoughts on resting him the third game of the season. It's the third game in four nights. It's the second night of a back-to-back where they didn't get into Washington until 2.30 in the morning and flew out immediately after. Obviously, he only played nine games last year due to quadriceps tendinopathy. Um, Is this early to you? Is it smart to be cautious even out of the gate? What was your reaction when the news came down that that Kawhi Leonard would not be traveling to Washington for this game? I mean, he played 73 minutes over the first two games of the year. I I think it's uh, Nick Nurse was open about how he kept him in a bit longer in the first quarter against Cleveland than he thought. Uh, And obviously they needed him a lot in the Boston game. And he's played with a very high usage percentage. So when he's been on the floor, he's, he's... had the ball and absorbed contact and you know the Raptors have subtly started doing their thing where they're like yeah you know Kawhi Leonard you know maybe should be on the line a few more times and he's been so far and he did uh which is you know a rite of passage was it you telling me that nurse almost blamed the referees and then changed the word to whistle mid-sentence yeah yeah that was uh good fun um so uh I mean it makes Total sense. I, I understand that there's a bit of uncertainty with the situation and until, and they really hadn't mentioned it is the thing. I think maybe if they'd gone into the year and said, look, this is our plan. 
you'll see them rest pretty frequently on back-to-backs. You know, we're definitely, instead of we're just going to observe and keep an eye on it, people would have been caught a lot, caught off uh, guard a lot less. I was just saying, Bobby Webster was asked about it and pretty much non-answered it the other day as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in these situations when people are so sensitive uh, and so nervous about the situation, it probably would have done them a bit of PR good to uh, to lay the groundwork for that. But assuming Kawhi's back on, on Monday and playing well, then people are going to stop caring so much. And, you know, I got, uh, I saw a bit of, uh, on Saturday, them talking about, or, or people on Twitter asking, you know, why don't they just keep his minutes down and play him for a for a third and play him all three games? Well, first of all, that would have meant getting on a plane and, and going there and coming back. But also, there's a lot of proven information out there that a complete day off, uh, even if it's if, if you're playing the same number of minutes, the day off is better than a lesser load uh, in more with more frequency. Yeah, so, if you think about it as uh, yeah. you know fixed costs and variable costs, the biggest cost to you know your body in terms of energy and, and potential injury is the load of getting ready for a game. It's the shoot around earlier in the day. It's the warm up beforehand. It's preparing your body to go out there. You know the the extra four minutes. You know, it, it's still smart to keep those down because every minute you're on the floor is a risk of injury, uh, especially as those minutes climb into the high 30s. Uh, but it's really the, you know, it's the bigger fixed cost of, or that comes with each at the start of each game, uh, more so than the smaller variable of how many minutes played. Uh, I had some people ask me, too, why Leonard didn't travel. Uh, DeLon Wright also didn't travel. Basically, from what we know, uh, it's actually the travel that is like a large part of the toll on a player's body. So in this case, you have two flights within 28 hours of each other uh, that result in two late nights as well. Um, it just made sense for, you know, for Wright definitely to stay back because, you know, you're worrying about things like um, exacerbating the swelling with two flights in short order and him p- potentially losing some rehabil- rehabilitation time where he could otherwise be at uh, the Toronto Raptors training center back in in toronto Walk yeah see i didn't i didn't use the the wrong name the outdated name the unnamed toronto Raptors training center um and for leonard you know i'm sure i'm sure he probably just wanted to i i he might not even have a say in it he he probably just used that time to get a workout in back in toronto and you know go for wings <laughs> uh delon wright did have a nice spin move in the locker room the other night uh to avoid some media members so you know as far as we can judge his progress on what he does in you know uh elegantly casual attire uh in the locker room without sneakers on and not on a basketball court he's got to be getting close to return yeah it sounds like he's day-to-day uh he practiced what was it thursday he he did a little bit more practice and worked out pretty hard afterward uh, but they probably want to get him I was going to say one full day, but they're off today. So maybe it's just the weekend and shoot around tomorrow and he'll be able to push it and go. We'll see. I was mostly joking about my comment, but I mean, it's a groin injury and that's, you know, a soft tissue injury that can linger if you're not careful. Yeah. We've seen guys uh, miss 19, 20 games with torn adductors before. Devin Booker had a bad one. Um, You know, it happened against the Raptors the other year. DeMar DeRozan missed 19 games, I think 
with his obviously um rights is not torn it's just strained but uh yeah your groin is pretty important to a lot of basketball activities so take it yeah, easy it turns out it turns out you need that to move laterally <laughs> uh was there a diagnosis sorry off topic on will barton's injury i not that i saw i did think it was interesting that barton did post game media availability like on crutches at his locker which is almost you know guys almost never do that it looked terrible it's a it's reaction. a hip injury. That's all I. Oh, he was getting he's getting an MRI today. Okay, sorry. It's just you rarely see somebody in such pain without it being like a knee or a leg thing. Yeah, um, it was just a scary thing. And then they took him out on on that like weird gurney type of thing that wasn't quite a stretcher, but wasn't a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, Speaking of injuries, we're, uh, we're varying off topic. Yeah, I was just going to add uh, to that. Can- a- Canadian Tyler Ennis broke his leg this morning too. Oh man, rough. Bad yeah. injuries. That's what I'm always saying. Yeah, that's we, we'd be better off without them. I think. Hot take. Uh, yeah. So the absences of Leonard and Wright have meant a couple different things. Uh, Leonard, obviously, temporary, and, and it'll be a little sporadic. Those minutes get spread around. Uh, they did not seem to bother the Raptors too much on Saturday night. Uh, Norman Powell slid into his place starting and had a plus 37.3 net rating that, to be friendly, overstated Norman Powell's impact on that game. Uh, he had one. I, I think most, most plus 37s do overstate the impact of any player on the game. I mean, but, if Lowry had won that game, I would have, uh, yeah. or in the opener, I would have believed either of those. Yeah. Uh, so Powell slid in as a starter. CJ Miles got the start in the second half. Uh, it was a nice little adjustment from Nick Nurse to slide Powell to the second unit, where not only does his ball handling play up a little bit, but he's playing against opposing bench guys. Uh, and with Washington, you know, Otto Porter shot a bunch, like five shots in the first two minutes of the game, and then went back to like never touching the ball. Um, so CJ Miles could could fit in there. Um, Miles was okay; he had a dunk, which was which is always fun when CJ Miles dunks and Lauren reacts to it on Twitter. Um, but Powell. <laughs> Powell was fine-ish. He had one really bad stretch, and otherwise it was pretty good. And then outside of that, you know, Kyle Lowry took on a little bit more, especially in the fourth quarter. He had a stretch where he he just went full Kalo and, uh, you know, drew his fourth charge through three games, which is ridiculous. Uh, he finished with 28 and 12 dimes, uh, 27 possessions to get those 28 points. But on a night where he doesn't have a co-star, you know, you understand that. But otherwise, things got kind of spread around. Um Six other Raptors, along with Kyle Lowry, scored in double figures. Uh, Ibaka had a really nice game off the bench. Uh, Siakam and then later Powell being with the second unit seemed to help Fred Van Vliet a little bit. And Van Vliet had what's somewhere between lucky and just fortunate. Um, the Raptors were only up to uh, – Nick Nurse draws up an ATO that gets Serge Ibaka a good look on a cut, but the pass like squibs between Ibaka's legs and Van Vliet just finds it and – chucks it at the rim um, as the clock goes off. Uh, there was also a weird thing where like Kyle Lowry had a shot that uh, originally was called a goaltend. And then when they reviewed it, uh, they overturned the goaltend. So instead of the Raptors having the ball on the baseline with only 4.5 left on the clock, there was a jump ball. They won it. They had a full 24 second clock. Uh, so really they were able to take 21 seconds away from Washington's comeback chance in the final minute. Uh, a few things like that. Uh, broke their way but still you know in that scenario I think that's a really good win the two two things from those injuries uh one we could talk about him on every episode of the podcast it feels like but Kyle Lowry has been 
just ridiculous to start the year, averaging 23.3 points, 8.7 assists, 1.3 drawn charges, and shooting 61-60-73. Eric, Kyle Lowry over everything. That's about all there is to it, right? Over many, many things. His sequence at the end of the Boston game, which was something like three-pointer, drawn charge, uh, defensive rebound, made jumper, defensive rebound, like within all within the final two and a half minutes, I think, uh, was pretty much spoke to the totality of his game. Uh, he's incredibly important to what they do. He's incredibly smart and instinctive. Uh, he's playing great basketball, which should alleviate the oh, how is he feeling sort of speculation, which uh, I don't I don't think that's illegitimate or non-important to wonder about that. But I think both of our theories uh, was always when he steps on the court, he's going to play his ass off because he doesn't really know anything else to do. Like he's just an insanely competitive person who values each possession in, you know, a way that perfectly fits with, sort of the analytics movement uh, and you you can see like how he thinks in terms of possessions. That's, that's my best way to sort of say what I admire about Lowry's game is is like he values the ball and, and time so much. Uh, He's always looking for every, every little uh, nook and cranny to further the advantage for his team. And he's shooting 60% from three. If you could just want your way to 60% on threes, yeah, he would, but you can't. Uh, but he's doing it right now, which is making up for some rather average three-point shooting around him. Yeah, yeah, the team's shooting 38.1% overall. Um, but if you took Lowry out of that, Lowry is a big, big chunk of that. He's taken over 20% of their threes so far. So, um, Okay, so the, the right injury, we have a little more information on in terms of how the Raptors are adjusting to it. Uh, obviously, bench unit uh, lineups are noisy because the Raptors have changed, have used a different starting lineup all three games. So that bench unit's been different all three games. Um, I mentioned earlier a little bit of a struggle on offense with Fred VanVleet as the only playmaker out there uh, in Wright's absence. Siakam right now seems a better fit there. OG Ananobi may be a better fit with the starters, um, given what both of those guys do offensively and do best offensively. Um, the small caveat being Siakam's a better fit with Ibaka defensively. So. Uh, if Valanciunas starts, who knows? Anyway, um, the minutes that Wright has not played have been obviously spread out. Uh, for Van Vliet's up around 27, which is probably higher than he'll finish at. Danny Green's played 32, which is definitely higher than he'll finish at. And then you've had Norman Powell and CJ Miles splitting kind of a ninth slash tenth man role. Uh, Lorenzo Brown's sprinkled in a little bit, but but Powell and Miles have averaged 27 and a half minutes between them. When Wright is back, it seems likely that only one of those two players is going to figure into the rotation in that 10th man slot. Um, what have you seen from, from those two so far? Obviously, Miles as a shooter is prone to be a little more streaky. Uh, do you have a sense of what that second unit's going to look like when Wright is back, at least in the, the one through three positions? Uh, I think you're right in the way you see it, and I, I'm really not sure which way it's going to go. Um, uh after the Boston game, Nick Nurse talked about uh, how Norm Powell was big in helping the Raptors slow down those uh, def- long defensive rebounds that were killing them. Uh, I think that's 
was completely right. It was something I I noticed as it was going on, and, and he sort of and I think he just has that ability more than Miles to throw himself into you know the mix, and because of uh, his sort of his body type and his you know pretty solid athleticism uh, and, and sort of muscular frame, he's able to come out with more loose balls than Miles would. He had a he had a great one early in the Washington game too. He just kind of sprinted out, grabbed it took it the distance with a, a little lefty Euro step. Um, obviously those are isolated examples. You mentioned the threes. It was some, it was a stat that I had up, um, I think from positive residual on Twitter, but the, the Celtics rebounded seven of their first 14 missed threes in that game. And then only one of their last eight. So that was, uh, yeah. whether that was Powell or, or a gang rebounding approach, I mean, that was a big, and it was just and random to an extent, yes. you know, like, yes. <laughs> um, uh, but, Miles is going to have to start hitting some shots. You know, that's not to be reductive. He's more than just a shooter, but it's mainly why he's there is to space the floor, and his presence does space the floor whether he's making them or not. But he takes a lot of difficult shots, and if he's not hitting on them, you start to wonder what other guys can do. So it's one of those things I think will go back and forth, and it'll be fluid. Yeah, Powell has shown some not great signs to, uh, you know, it's not like his decision making uh, around the rim have been has been stellar. It it has looked awfully familiar from from a year ago. So, uh, yeah, I see a fluid situation. If I had to bet, I'd say Miles gets the first crack at things just out of sort of inertia. But uh, that can certainly change over time, and I expect it to. I will um, say this. They have, lot, they have a lot of good players and useful pieces. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, if you're in a situation where Norman Powell and C.J. Miles are scrapping for your 10th man minutes, your rotation's you probably in pretty good shape. Uh, even, you know, with two guys down, Lorenzo Brown's your 10th man on Saturday. I know there are some people who, you know, don't think, like, there are some on Raptors Twitter, some smart people who don't like Lorenzo Brown's game. Um, or, or don't necessarily see why there needs to be a fourth point guard on this roster, he's fine. If he's your 12th, 13th guy, you're in good shape. Uh, the one guy we haven't seen yet, and I wanted your take on this, uh, I originally thought he'd play Saturday, and then Washington sat out Dwight Howard as a precaution for a second straight game, um, so their backup center was effectively Jason Smith or Markeith Morris. Uh, no Greg Monroe yet through three games. Does that surprise you at all, Eric? I mean, I, I would have guessed he would have got some run, and, you know, there just hasn't been a blowout, obviously, or, or a true blowout, although the Cleveland game threatened to go there. Uh, I, I Like you, I thought he would get in on the second night of a back-to-back, but we all know where the strength on this roster lies. It's on the wing uh, with... Athletic. I thought you were going to say in the coverage of the team. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's on, it's on the wing with the, with athletic, uh, shot making players and Monroe has his purposes and he's a solid NBA player, but he always seemed like the odd man out to me. And that doesn't mean they won't need him because 82 games is a long time, uh, or I guess five and a half months is a long time. Uh, that's close to six months now that they moved the schedule up. Six months is a long time, and they're going to need him, but he's not 
just is not essential for what they're doing. Now, if the rebounding continues to be an issue and you're playing a really big team where you have to start Valanchunas and uh, Ibaka together, which I don't anticipate happening a lot, but then you get into scenarios where you're playing him a bit more and maybe one of the, maybe Norm and CJ don't get into that game. Like both of them don't get into that game or, you know, they have smaller roles. But for now, it's totally fine. Uh, I don't think it's worth being concerned about. And uh, it's nice to have that sort of insurance on your bench. Yeah. The rebounding's a, a funny note, and I only am pointing this out because I came across it earlier. Uh, the Raptors have grabbed exactly half of the rebounds available to them mm, through three games. Nice. Weirdly, yeah. though, it seems like- yeah, they've been poor oh. on their own glass. They've just rebounded on the offensive glass super well. Serge Ibaka, baby. Yeah. Um, Serge Ibaka, yeah, they have a 29.2 offensive rebound rate when Ibaka's on the floor, which is much higher than you would expect it to be. Uh, they've also, as a team, um, had a much better defensive rebound rate when Ibaka's on the floor compared to when Valanciunas is on the floor, which I am certain will look like an anomaly as we get more data on this team. Um, it does speak to how well the guards and wings have been kind of crashing back. Uh, and also that Abaka has played a lot of minutes with Kawhi Leonard, who has been a monster yeah, the on the glass. The first three day, three games of Serge Abaka has been just hilarious. Like the sort of reaction to him. And it's like you know, all, his last think. three seasons distilled down to a three game yeah. sample. of. Just... I, I wrote something like fairly positive after game one, which was his bad shooting game. If you remember saying, look, like they're putting him in a spot where he has more, u- where his utility should shine through a bit more. A lot of people seemed upset about that because he had very bricky touch on Wednesday, but it didn't change the genuine point that I think Nick Nurse was making post-game, and he was maybe overstating. I didn't think Ibaka was that good on Wednesday, but you can see how he changes things there at the rim and how he's, you know, even though he's not the best rebounder, he's been fairly effective in certain situations in that role. So, you know, it's much better having him there if you're going to use him, which they should, because he's a useful player and he provides skills that aren't all over the place on this roster, uh, you might as well use him in the best position you can. And I think the Raptors are definitely trending that uh, in that direction. All right, let's look at the week ahead. Three teams visiting Scotiabank Arena as the Raptors uh, play five of their first six and I think something like eight of their first ten at home, uh, which is ridiculous. But it's nice a nice way for us to get in a good flow. Nice. Uh, I love a, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday home week. It's just game practice, game practice, game. Ready to go. We'll be yeah. right into it. It'll feel like it'll feel like January by the end of this week. Uh, it'll be great. Charlotte visits first. Charlotte, of course. Speaking of great. Yeah, led by Kemba Walker, who is going bananas to start the year, as Kemba Walker often does, averaging 35 points a game uh, ahead of free agency. He's the best. He's one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Uh, anyway, Marvin Williams and Cody Zeller are the starting front court pair. For Charlotte. After that, Minnesota comes to town on Wednesday for the Jimmy Butler Woo-hoo. for the Jimmy Butler Circus. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is. Not on a, are they on a back to back that day or no? Uh, I don't have their schedule in front of me. I'll I'll look at you. Keep on uh, yes. doing your thing. Okay, so um, obviously Jimmy Butler sat out a game on Saturday, as a bunch of guys around the league did. Wiggins is off to a nice scoring start. Uh, putting up 20 points a game, not hyper-efficiently because this is Andrew Wiggins we're talking about, and Carl Anthony Towns is obviously not getting enough touches, 
Um, they start Taj Gibson and Carl Anthony Towns as a front court pairing. So another interesting one in terms of, uh, you know, how Nick Nurse is going to approach that one. Eric, do you have it if they're on a back-to-back? They are not. They play on Monday, and they play on Wednesday, and they play on Friday, and All they right. play on the following Monday, much like your Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Uh, and then Dallas comes, and unfortunately, uh, Rick Carlisle revealed on the weekend that Dirk Nowitzki will not be playing. Uh, Dirk is out for at least the remainder of the month. So in what could be Dirk's uh, final visit to Toronto, he won't be active. Uh, we will get to see Canadian Dwight Powell, which is always uh, which is always nice. We'll get to see hot rookie Luka Doncic, who has been a lot of fun through two games. And, and that's a team that, uh, you know, I think of this week, that's the most certain Jonas Valanciunas game because DeAndre Jordan starts at center alongside, uh, I don't know if they'd classify Wesley Matthews or Dorian Finney-Smith as their as their power forward, probably Finney-Smith. But uh, that one seems like a certain JV game. I'd guess Charlotte is too. Cody Zeller only has only hit five career threes. Uh, maybe you go Siakam because of the Marvin Williams matchup there. Minnesota is the most interesting one to me. Do you have a good sense of what the starting lineups at the at the four or five spots might be uh, this week? Or are we, are we past the point where we're already tired of guessing each game? I mean, I'm getting there. I'm getting to tire. Um, I, but I think, like you said, Minnesota is a very uh, interesting one because in the past that would be, I mean, they obviously didn't change based on lineup, uh, but that would make sense for the two big men from a defensive perspective to play together. But I think you can start you can start uh, Siakam instead of Ibaka and definitely get away with it. Uh, and even OG, if OG's on Taj Gibson, uh, that's not the worst matchup. Yeah, you don't. So you think that'll uh, be a JV game? I think that'll be an Ibaka game because if Towns no, is it might be. Bottom. Yeah, yeah. I th- I would I would guess Ibaka's on on Towns, um, but which would, would know, that would mean a, a Valanciunas Gorgie Dang matchup off the bench? Which one person I know on so Raptors much. Twitter will um, be enamored with with that matchup? That's like. This person's version of uh, Aaron Baines against Valanciunas, which is my favorite matchup, which was very yeah. underwhelming on Friday. Neither of those guys was particularly good. No. Gorgie Dang will hit 12 mid-range jumpers. It'll be great. As Gorgie um, Dang does. Yeah, he's a very good mid-range jump shooter in a league that doesn't really reward you for that skill. Yeah. Serge Ibaka, though, and Gorgie Dang could just has seen by- take all the mid-range shots. Yeah, and he's literally been rewarded for it. So yeah. what do I know? Yeah, yeah, uh, very, very well rewarded, or too rewarded for it, you could say. Yeah, yeah, he's been rewarded to the point where they don't want him around anymore. Yeah, um, okay, so uh, Charlotte, I guess, is the only other question. I would think that Siakam or OG are fine there, and then JV gets to start against Cody Zeller. Um, also, Who's their backup? Uh, uh, Hernan Gomez has been getting the backup minutes. Yeah, Kaminsky and, and Biombo are been around. Using another big? Biombo. They haven't been using Biombo, but he's there. Yeah. No, they've been really small off the bench. MKG is kind of their four off the bench. Uh, yeah. So, whoops, sorry about that. Uh, my laundry is ready to go. I didn't think this podcast would go 40 minutes. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, so Charlotte's an interesting one uh, for a lot of reasons. It'll be nice to have Biz back. Uh, do, you, do you want to make a call on the week? Three home games against three decent but mostly unspectacular teams? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three and zero. Oh. Whoa, six and zero oh start to the season. Yeah, why not? Hopes are on fire. 
I mean, they'll be favored in each game. That obviously doesn't mean they'll win each game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Minnesota one world worries me, but they're sort of a nightmare in, in a lot of respects. That, that team has a lot of talent, which is why you'd figure that, you know, all parties involved would try to make things work. Uh, but whatever. It's not my problem or your problem. Well, hey, it'd be good to, for them to get out to a 6 start, too, because next week... Next week gets tougher. They have a, a very tough back-to-back at Milwaukee and then back home for Philly. And then they head on a four-game West Coast trip. Uh, Phoenix, L.A., and Utah on a back-to-back. Man, have I never seen a schedule loss quite like the second night of a back-to-back in Utah, the way that Utah has looked so far. And then Sacramento. That's that's a trip you can probably go 3-1 and one on. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's not an easy one. No, no West Coast trip is easy. And you can't, yeah, you can't assume anything when you're on the road, especially when you're out west and uh, get to see Blake on the road. Hashtag Blake on the road. Yeah, for the so, for the first time, really. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Beat writer Minutia. I have only ever traveled uh, to Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals via Greyhound with Alex Wong, and then for Las Vegas Summer League and the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference a couple times each. I've never really traveled. I've never been on the road for a regular season game before. So I will be on two games of that trip. And I'll get to see my son, Shay Alexander, and Andrew Wiggins go head-to-head as well. It'll be fun. not your son? Pardon? Andrew Wiggins is not your son? No, I put him up for adoption after, uh, (laughs) you know, after four seasons of no growth in his assist percentage. You got to, we're a playmaking household, Eric. Yeah, yeah, I I understand. Yeah, okay, Uh, Uh, before we let the people go. Yes, lots of CanCon, lots of CanCon. Um. Jamal Murray was super nice on Saturday night after a shaky start. And my guy, Dylan Brooks, is uh, not off to the best start. Nick Stauskas, too. Hot damn. Woo. What an opener he had. Sauce. Sauce Castillo. Sauce Castillo. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, before we let you go, Eric, you had some downtime this weekend. I know you had a lot of family stuff. Did you get to watch Riverdale? I have not watched Riverdale yet. How many episodes have I missed this season so far? Two. But it feels like 11 based on everything that's happened. <laughs> yeah, I apologize to the one dude who, uh, Lior, I believe, uh, wants us to talk about Riverdale. I'll try to get caught up at some point. As you can imagine, it's not at the top of my priority list. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know, that show is trash. And yet when I start watching it, I won't be able to stop. Yeah, it's trash is a good word for it, but at the same time, um, highly entertaining. Yeah, entertaining trash. Yeah. Uh, also, there was a, they just randomly introduced a character named Mad Dog this week, which I think you'll get a kick out of. Obviously, the I, names yeah. on that show are, are some of the best some of the best things about it. There's just randomly yeah. a Mad Dog now. You want to get? Do you, do you think that WWE should be having a pay per view in Saudi Arabia? I do not think they should be having a pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I don't really, that's a, that's a little political for our wrestling chat, but, uh, you know, this is the topic right now. Yeah. It's a lot of money. I'll say that much. They sure are going to make a lot of money and then probably immediately cut ties and act like it never happened. Yeah. The parallels between, uh, this is my comment, not Blake's, the WWE and the United States government are, uh, you know, you you can see them. They're 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 evident. You could see some similarities there. 
Well, that oh. might be because one of the primary owners of the WWE is a member of the cabinet. It's funny mm-hmm. how that works. Linda McMahon. Uh, yeah, she was missed at SmackDown 1000. Yeah, the whole McMahon family was there except for her. I didn't watch it. Yeah. I haven't watched... You know what the most freeing thing as a wrestling fan has been the last little while? I think since, like, SummerSlam, maybe since before then, I haven't watched any Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. I'm very yeah, out of the loop as a wrestling I mean, fan. Again, other than the the Lynch Flair feud, which they're still not handling well, but it's just entertaining. And she's uh, so good. Yeah, that that's mostly it. Like, you're not missing much. It's not a very good show. Yeah. Or neither is a very good show. I had one guy on Twitter a couple weeks ago, like, very upset with me. I think his name's Hussein. Um, and he was like, man, you always tweet about wrestling. I started watching it. And, like, this is garbage. Like, why is this happening on Raw? Why are they doing this with Ronda Rousey? He's very upset about the booking. I had to tell him. I was like, look, man, I tweet about wrestling at, like, pay-per-views or, like, when there's a Japanese wrestling uh, event on at 3.30 in the morning Eastern time. Uh, you don't see me tweeting about Raw and SmackDown. That's, uh, that's on you if you are that kind of a fan. So... Sorry if I pushed you to that, but take take better care of yourself than watching 13 hours of WWE programming every week. Especially now the uh, basketball's back. Yeah, it's back. Don't it feel good? It, cer- it certainly does. It was it's been really nice. Like even even I mean last night last night ended weirdly in basketball terms, but like after the Raptors game, I just wrote my story. It, I basically wrapped up right as Game 7 of Dodgers-Brewers ended. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're just basketball games I could throw on in the background. Um, so I watched the second half Should of the Spurs game. Should we predict suspensions for that? Pardon me? You want to predict suspensions for uh, the L.A.? Uh, um, Houston? Yeah, I'll say Rondo and Paul get two each and Ingram gets three. I think they're going to be lighter mm-hmm. than they probably should be. What's the basis, do you think, for Ingram getting more? Uh, that he was removed from it and then sprinted in to interject himself back into it uh, okay. and through like, a, yeah, I don't know. It was like, I think that's less, obviously the, the Paul Rondo stuff was bad, but like Ingram just like sprinting back in. Yeah, I think like, you know, uh, I, I think I, I'm not sure what to do with Ingram. They might stick to two for each, each guy. Um but, yeah, based on Aaron Aflalo getting two games for his punch on... The greatest fight in NBA history, Nemanja Balika. Uh, things were Balika that day. Oh. Um, I might yeah, be pronouncing hard... his name wrong, too. I'm not I'm not what, a hard... This is the know. issue with, with covering the Raptors, is that my baseline for everyone's name pronunciation is Herbie Coons. <laughs> right. I think he calls him Belitza. So maybe there's a maybe that C is Belicha, like it could be a sort of a CH sound, as is uh, sometimes popular in in that part of the world. The, anyway, uh, Balkans. Uh, that's that's my favorite recent NBA fight because uh, he just like kind of puts a flalo in a headlock and is like, "I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm just trying to calm this guy down." Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, let's all remember Serge Ibaka getting one game and before that pleading that he shouldn't get suspended because he didn't hit him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was with James Johnson, and, and, that one, right? Oh, yeah. That would have been a great one. Yeah, because he's also had them with Rod. He's, he's gotten punched in the head by Robin Lopez, I believe. Uh, him Rolo. and Blake Griffin have gotten into it pretty bad before. Serge Ibaka gets in a lot, a lot of tilts. Or a lot of non-tilts, I should say. Tilts that don't end up becoming tilts. But now he's uh, 
he's a well-liked internet presence. This is true. I think we're just about, I think this is all we probably need to talk about. We're 50 minutes deep. Uh, we have like an actual structured we're gonna, podcast. We're not going to break down the draft. The G League draft? Yeah. No. Uh, Media Day is Monday, though. That'll be that'll be fun. They have a pretty fun roster. That's basically nothing but point guards and centers. And dang it. Cool. Up. It'll be, yeah. All right. Cool. Well, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. All right, Eric. Well, I'll see you um, on Monday as the Raptors host the Charlotte Hornets. Listeners, we will talk to you next week, probably with the Raptors off Saturday, Sunday, and then on the road Monday. Uh, we'll probably talk to you Monday morning again next week because we'll probably record this next weekend. And we'll have three more games to Yes, this is working out uh, very well so far. And then the one after that will be from on the road, maybe. Yeah. Now you can feel how I felt at times during this uh, wondrous journey. Yeah. Well, then you can record it and produce it. No, thanks. Yeah. Um, All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the games. It's too late to be a reasonable man.